So I get Gardasil, I go home, and shortly after my parents found me basically unconscious, curled up in a fetal position on our couch, and they drove me to the hospital immediately. I was just given a slew of conditions that I had never had before. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'll just list them off here. I had occipital neuralgia, which is an inflammation of the nerves at the base of your skull. I had um, vaccine-induced encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain, mm -hmm. irritable bowel syndrome, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, tendinitis, secondary amenorrhea. You're listening to A Real Human Being, a podcast about conversation and connection and being human. My name is Josh Putnam, and I believe that everybody is worth listening to that connection is powerful and healing, and that we need each other. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the show today. I am really excited about my guest. I have a special guest, um, somebody who I met on Instagram. Um, her handle is Healing from Gardasil, and her name is Lauren. And uh, and I we've I met her, you know, a little while ago. I think over the last year or so, we've we've um, talked a little bit. Um, but she's come in, I've asked her to come in to talk about her, her story, um, specifically as it relates to her vaccine injury. And this is a hot topic, um, especially right now with all the COVID and all the new vaccines and although they're not really vaccines, but we can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I think it's so important that we start to hear and really listen to people's actual stories and and listen and not just dismiss them and and um, to to realize that these are not real and that they are, that they are not rare sorry that they are real but not rare and and so that we can start to to address the actual issue instead of ignoring it or sweeping it under the rug so uh Lauren welcome in and thank you for joining thank you so much for bringing me on oh it's my pleasure seriously it's uh it's a it's a hard topic to discuss and i just admire all of those like you who are out there and willing to put themselves out there and, and risk being dismissed and criticized and ridiculed, which I'm sure you've had, you know, your fair share of. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's really unfortunate the way that society has kind of handled the whole vaccine topic because they've yeah. really polarized it. It's, you can either be pro or anti. And right. so, you know, a lot of us anti-vaxxers per se, as we're called, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting that, term were labeled as that, but that's really, and more appropriately, we'd be called ex-vaxxers because, right. you know, we were people who were pro-vaxxers, trusted the system, vaccinated, and it wasn't until we learned the hard way that vaccines do come with risks that we yeah. started to research, speak up, try to warn others. And because of the um, characterization of us, no one listens. And it's right. really unfortunate. Right. It's a, it's, there's, there's a, an emotional perception that's been cultivated. Mm -hmm. And so the moment you say there are a lot of like particular things that you could talk about that mm -hmm. the moment you, that you say those words, Oh, I was injured by a vaccine. There's an emotional response in most people to, uh, to immediately shut off the brain and say, that's nonsense. That doesn't happen. You're not, not only just like the, it kind of, it kind of triggered some e even um, vitriol or, or, um, or uh, you know, animosity yeah. toward, toward those who yeah. would speak out. And, and it's like, this is not, 
the environment to have a productive conversation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'll be in a conversation expressing very valid concerns about vaccine safety and making valid points about ingredients or things that were missed in trials or things that were misrepresented. And all people respond is, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. I hope you die. Like I've, I've had threats online, insane comments. And, um, you know, I made the mistake once I tried to start talking on Twitter about this experience. Wow. Very, very, um, bad platform to use because really, and unfortunately it's a lot of people, my age, my, this, you know, Gen Z millennial generation, they haven't done any research and they feel very comfortable just being very cruel online to someone who's sharing uh, inconvenient facts that go against what they've been taught. So it's hard. And it's funny you mentioned, I found like a different, there's a different experience on all of the different social media platforms. Mm -hmm. Like it's like there's a different group that's kind of dominating that. Like Facebook is, I've, I mostly stay away from it because it's boring to me, but also because it's like, uh, there's, there's people more of my generation, like who are, so I'm 37. And so it's like, there's, and, and there's a lot of kind of, people who are maybe not quite as open-minded and yeah, are kind of yeah. set in their positions and they're kind of comfortable with them yes. and they're not willing to, they're kind of not willing to, to, to adjust or, or be flexible. And, and it's, so it's hard talking about it there as well. And I haven't tried Twitter cause I just, I've never, it's been always been not that interesting to me, but I'm, yeah. I know that a lot of people have had a hard time on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it got to the point for me where I was like, I'm, I'm putting all this energy in and I'm not making any progress. It's like communicating with a brick wall, really. And I was, you know, I was reaching more people on Instagram and I was having more productive connections and conversations. And um, yeah, so I kind of just, I'm still on Twitter, but I don't really use it. I just kind of follow certain people. and Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that is interesting because I think Instagram has been the most, the, the, the most effective or, or the, the place that I've had the, the best, most productive conversations or yeah, yeah. been able to share without so much like mm-hmm. backlash or, or vitriol, although the censor, censorship is there, but, but from other people on the platform, it hasn't been quite as bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, okay. So let's, let's jump in. Let's give kind of a little backstory. You can tell, you can tell a little bit about yourself if you'd like to just kind of give who you are, where you're from, anything interesting about you and then just kind of start from the beginning of your story, your experience with vaccines and then your injury and all that. Okay, for sure. So um, I'm from Michigan and growing up, I was perfectly healthy. You know, I come from a very athletic family who values health. And so we were always um, doing water sports or, you know, going on walks, bike riding, like all these activities. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of just my health background, my health history. I mean, I struggled with the occasional cold and flus like children would go through, but not nothing severe. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was a straight A student. I was always on the honor roll, um, very involved. You know, I was vice president of student council in middle school, and I was always trying to get involved in school and just do everything I can. Um, and my biggest thing is that I was a volleyball player. 
So I have all three of my aunts were volleyball players. And so, you know, growing up, I was like, oh, I really want to play volleyball. And so, um, and I was good at it. I loved it. And so I played on a club team and I ended up playing nationally. Um, And so I wanted to play college volleyball and going into high school, I made varsity as a freshman. And, you know, it was like a promising opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. And um, it was something I was really passionate about. Um, but that kind of all changed after Gardasil. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then regarding vaccines, my family, um, we honestly didn't even know anti-vaxxers were a thing. It wasn't, we, yeah, we, it wasn't like we were staunch pro-vaxxers and that we didn't like anti-vaxxers. We just didn't Mm -hmm. even know. Didn't really think about it. Yeah. Right. It was just something that growing up, my parents were like, okay, this is good for you. We had a good relationship with our pediatrician. We trusted mm-hmm. him. And we just, we were all, all my siblings and I were vaccinated on schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something we just did. So we never asked questions. We didn't have really concerns about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that brings me to my eighth grade year. I went in for just a annual checkup. Um, my mom was with me and um, my pediatrician uh, told me that I should get the Gardasil vaccine. And so I didn't know anything about it, obviously. And my mom actually told him no, not because she had concerns of safety, but just because she thought it was unnecessary because he told her it was for HPV. And she was saying, well, my daughter's 13. We can probably wait on that. We don't need to do it right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's when he said, well, don't you want to protect your daughter from cervical cancer? And, um, obviously, whoa, cancer, that's a scary word for a lot of people. And so for me at 13, I'm thinking, oh man, like I should really get this. It's going to protect me from cancer. Mm -hmm. And my mom, I feel bad for her to this day. She feels guilty because in the office, he guilted her and basically was, he continued this Mm -hmm. conversation trying to tell her she was a horrible parent if she didn't get this vaccine for me, because I'm going to be at risk for cancer, basically Mm -hmm. making it seem like I would die of cancer without this vaccine. Right. And we can get to it later, but factually that is a lie. And that's actually why people are suing Merck right now for fraud because Mm -hmm. none of those claims are true. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, you know, my mom feels guilty. I feel scared. We felt pressured. Um, and honestly, that was the first time we've ever seen that side of my pediatrician because we Mm -hmm. had never protested or gone against what he was saying before. And now all of a sudden the nice guy we had known was, not so nice. And so, right. yeah, the pressure was there and I ended up getting the first shot. And after the first shot, I did not have any negative reactions that I could tell. I didn't notice any changes. It was really after the second dose because Gardasil is a three dose series. Okay. It was after the second shot that I started having all of these health issues. And how long is in between each shot usually? Um, A couple months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this started in... I started the series in 2014 and then I finished it in 2015. Okay. So, yeah. So did you get all three shots? Yes, I did. Okay. And, um, I, you know, like I said, we didn't know that vaccines even came with risks. You know, when you're in the office, they don't give you the vaccine package insert. They don't tell you about the clinical trials and they don't say just, so you know, this is like the side effects that could happen. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, they sell it to you really. And right. Or pressure you, which is what right, you experienced. Right? right. Exactly. So when I was getting these vaccines and then I started having the health issues, 
we weren't looking to the vaccine at all as right. a cause. We were just thinking that this was just yeah. happening to me. So that's why I finished the series, even though I'll tell you what happened after the second shot, but we didn't even think at the time that yeah. it was related. Well, and I think that that is one of the biggest issues here is that it's not always just like bang, bang, right? It's not like you, right. you get it and then you you get a symptom. Right. And I mean, sometimes it is, that does happen, but, but but more often than not, it's you get it and then a little while later or even after a second dose or, or a different vaccine or whatever, mm-hmm. you start to develop something after some time. And so, right. and and then couple that with the fact that your doctors are are not... I mean, we'll get more into this, I think, too, but like, not only do you say they don't give you your package in package inserts, but like, mo- many of them have never even read them. Right. right? So like, right. they don't and even they're, they're not very well educated on the actual side effects or how right. to monitor them or even how to report them. Right. So right. it's right. It's, it's so not it's a- on from both sides where you're uh, uninformed, they're uninformed. Mm-hmm. And so and and but not just uninformed, but they are also conditioned to to believe that it's impossible for it right. to be right. harmful. So they're going to look at any other possibility, and and there's such a distance in between the shot and then the and then the symptom that mm-hmm. there's they just don't ever not never, but they often don't connect those dots. And so right, right, and it's, and it's part of the reason why vaccine injuries are so seriously underreported. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so there was there was the 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 HHS uh, study funded study right a few years ago that found what was it less than one percent that are reported. Yeah, it's they were saying that less than one percent of yeah. vaccine injuries are actually reported. Yeah, and honestly, I think it would probably be even worse than that. <laughs> that wouldn't it's, surprise me, right? Yeah. Because because of all of those factors, so it's it's right. not always obvious that it was that that was the trigger, mm-hmm. and it might not only be the only trigger. Right. It's it's that coupled with a bunch of other things as well that 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 or, or a certain condition that you might be in um, that that it's a that it's a it's going to trigger something, mm-hmm. you know. And so so it just people aren't looking for it and mm-hmm. and they're not taught to look for it. And the scientists aren't looking for mm-hmm. it because they're taught to not look for it. And so people are not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I I go and I get the second shot. And um, that's really when things started to go downhill. And within a week of that second shot, I started to have headaches. And they started off just like these small, you know, kind of pressure points in my forehead. And then, you know, it starts progressing to the point where I'm having this sharp stabbing pain at the base of my skull. And I, I have to use my hands to show it because it would wrap like from the back of my skull all the way around my head in like this vice grip. It was, I've never felt anything like that before. Yeah. Extremely painful, very debilitating, basically making me bedridden because yeah. I, you can't, you can't function oh, through it. No, um, I, I used to get migraines all the time when I was a kid and like, mm-hmm. they, you're completely uh, like disabled. You can't, can't right. move. You can't think you can't like, you just you can hopefully sleep. That's like your whole night only hope. Exactly. And it was just, it felt like there was a lot of pressure and I often would tell my mom, it felt like my brain was on fire. Like Mm -hmm. that was really the only way to describe it. 
Yeah. And so, you know, that was, it got to the point where I was waking up with migraines, going to sleep with migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having other neurological issues like brain fog. Mm-hmm. My, I was slurring my speech. Um, I was having severe memory loss. Like I could not mm-hmm. remember conversations or situations. Um, and so, you know, all of these neurological things are starting to happen. And then I started developing these digestive issues. And mm-hmm. this was all within you know, a week to two weeks, maybe a month of that second shot. So it wasn't like seriously a long time away. It was, it was concentrated around the shot. So I started getting these digestive issues where I'm having severe abdominal pain, um, very much bloated and everything I ate was making me nauseous. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having acid reflux and I was severely constipated. I, you know, I could not go to the bathroom for weeks Mm -hmm. at a time. And, um, again, had never had abdominal or digestive issues before. And then I start having these muscular and joint issues. So, you know, earlier I mentioned I had been playing volleyball. I couldn't play anymore because I was, you know, I'd have these muscle spasms and it was to the point where on several occasions, my coach would have to wheel me off the court in a chair because I couldn't walk. My, my legs were just, and she could see the muscles were contracting ridiculously. And it was incredibly painful. Um, I was having joint pain in my wrists, especially the right wrist. Um, I remember I told my friend one day when we were in our science class, I was like, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I broke my wrist here. Like it hurt so bad. It was, and, but there was nothing wrong. I, I would go and get x-rays because mm-hmm. of this pain, nothing wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my, and so the joint pain was in my wrist, my knees and my ankles too. And my ankles would consistently swell, um, wow. during activities. Um, and then I was having lower back pain. My hips were popping out of place, which was really weird. My, you know, a lot of, uh, doctors I was seeing were marking on why my legs were different lengths because uh-huh. the hips were popping out of place. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, just all very weird things. And wow. I, it was unfortunate. I think the hardest part for me was the volleyball aspect because I felt like I was letting my teammates down. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, my motor reflexes were off. I couldn't respond as quickly. I couldn't yeah. play. I was, you know, they were watching me run off the court in pain. And I mean, it makes me choked up just thinking about it. It was, and it was hard because to the outside, I looked fine to people. Right. They, you know, I didn't want people to think, oh, I'm, I'm making up my illness. Like I'm, I'm right. choking on the court. Right. Mm-hmm. It was very real experiences for me. Um, but a lot of people didn't believe it, unfortunately. Right. I, on the outside, I looked okay, which honestly, yeah. that's what happens with a lot of people with chronic illness. Yep. Um, so, okay. Other issues. I, if you see me looking, I wrote a list to make sure I don't forget anything because it's, yeah. it's quite a, a lot that was going on, but my hair was falling out in chunks. And, you know, I've always had like thick curly hair and it went pin straight dead was falling out. And, um, I had neuropathy. So like tingling and numbness in my hands Nerves and stuff. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. um, I had terrible circulation, so I, I wouldn't even be anywhere cold and my, I would be shivering and I would mm-hmm. be freezing. Um, and the really interesting thing is I got my first menstrual cycle ever, like within a week of getting that second shot. And then it never came back for years for like three and a half years. I just never had another cycle. Um, and then I was also struggling with tonsil stones, which I've never had before. They're like little calcifications. They're like little calcifications in your tonsils. 
Okay. Um, and it's weird. I've kind of been investigating this because it's such like an odd symptom. At first, mm-hmm. I didn't, even after we figured out I was suffering a reaction to the vaccine, I didn't connect it to tonsil stones. It wasn't until I started meeting people on through social media who were mar- re- remarking like, have you ever had tonsil stones? And I was like, yeah, I did get those. And uh, it's another common thing between Gardasil girls, as I call them. So interesting, really uh. interesting. So I was having all these issues and, you know, I'm missing school. I'm struggling to even stay on my volleyball team. Um, I'm depressed. I'm yeah. not eating. And it's just overall, my health is deteriorating a really bad situation. And so I go back into my doctor, my pediatrician, because we're looking for help. We're looking, especially with the migraines. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just looking for some advice, what could be going on. And uh, here's a direct quote, what he said to me, you're just stressed from school. Right. All that stuff. I, yeah, I just sat there. I looked and this time my dad was with me and I, I looked at him like, are you kidding me? how can you say this? It's not stress. I'm not stressed at all. I was doing great in school. Mm -hmm. Um, so then he said, you know what, I'll give you some Excedrin migraine. This should help. It didn't. Um, and then he said, while you're here, just to save you a trip, I see, and you know, you're due for the third shot of Gardasil. Why don't you just get that? And, you know, again, I wasn't even thinking about Gardasil. I wasn't thinking it connected. Neither was my dad. And so Mm -hmm. we just thought, Oh, that's really smart. Save us a trip. Right. We'll get Gardasil now. So I get Gardasil, I go home, and shortly after, my parents found me basically unconscious, curled up in a fetal position on our couch, and they drove me to the hospital immediately. And I was, you know, my mom with the headaches, she used to have me rate on a scale of one to 10, mm-hmm. you know, how bad is the pain today? And I, I told her I couldn't, uh, I couldn't rank this. I felt like I was dying. And again, I felt like my brain was this time, not so much fire. You just like, it was going to explode. And by the pressure, my skull was unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, at this point we knew this is the vaccine because it had happened so quickly right after, and we could see the connection. So when we get to the hospital, I was in and out of the hospital for about a week. I missed the last two weeks of my eighth grade year. Um, and, uh, I'll never forget. I was taking the final exams at home because I, I couldn't be in school. Mm. And um, while I was in the hospital, I was meeting with different specialists of all kinds. So gastroenterologists, neurologists, pain specialists. I was having my blood drawn, CAT scans, mm-hmm. MRIs, ultrasounds, everything. And so when all was said and done, I was just given a slew of conditions that I had never had before. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'll just list them off here. I had occipital neuralgia, which is an inflammation of the nerves at the base of your skull, which would explain Mm -hmm. that pain I was having starting at the base of my skull. I had um, vaccine-induced encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain, Mm -hmm. irritable bowel syndrome, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, tendinitis, secondary amenorrhea. So when you get your menstrual cycle and then you lose it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what, what else here. Leaky gut, hypothyroidism. Um, the weird thing is I suddenly had a gluten sensitivity among Mm -hmm. like 20 other food sensitivities out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And my blood test showed that my blood was extremely high in aluminum and lead. So (laughs) I also, a lot of, is um, that adjuvanted with aluminum? Yeah. So the adjuvant in Gardasil is aluminum. Um, it's in Gardasil nine, there's 500 micrograms of aluminum per shot. 
And mm-hmm. the FDA safe limit from aluminum exposure is 25 micrograms. Mm-hmm. So an yeah. insanely large amount of aluminum, if you get all three shots, that's way over the FDA safe limit. I mm-hmm. wish I would have known that before. Um, and so, yeah, I'm basically just left with a slew of conditions. And, you know, the other thing, a lot of specialists were speculating that I had POTS, um, which is the postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Mm-hmm. And um, I never got a specific test for that, but that is one that really plagues Gardasil girls. A lot of us get POTS or POTS-like symptoms, all okay. these autoimmune conditions. Um, but it was weird for me. My heart rate was extremely low. So, you know, a normal heart rate's like 60 to hundred and mm-hmm. mine was at 40. Wow. And, um, again, no explanation. It was just, Oh, that's just happening to you. And so right. we thought the response from uh, everyone we were seeing was, okay, they're going to want to know about my garsal injury. They're going to want to investigate this. What if there's something right. wrong with that lot of garsal? What if other girls get that yeah. lot and there's an issue. We weren't even thinking it's just the vaccine in general. We were just thinking they need to start investigating. Like there could be a problem with this vaccine right now. Yeah. And, um, that was not the response we got at all. And it was terrible because we were every single person we met with, we were saying, well, what about the Gardasil vaccine? Because she just had that third shot and she, this is, you know, she ended up in the hospital right after that with all these issues. And every single person was, um, you know, it's all in your head. You're mm-hmm. again, you're distressed. You're lying. You're making it up. It, it's impossible. How dare you suggest the yeah. vaccine could be related? Um, that vaccine is safe and effective. There are no risks. Any, any risks are unsubstantiated. And, you know, thank God for my mom at this time, because she was really the one who was being the rock, doing the research. And she was mm-hmm. networking and you know, it, it didn't take long when you just Google Gardasil vaccine injuries, you're going to find mm-hmm. a lot. So she was connecting with a lot of other people and just finding that these Gardasil girls, they have the same exact story as mine, where they are perfectly healthy. They get the vaccine. All of a sudden they have neurological, autoimmune, digestive issues, the whole, the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And so she's, you know, trying to tell these doctors, you know, I've been doing my research. I'm, I'm seeing some science that indicates there's risk. I'm, I'm meeting a lot of other people who went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And just repeatedly we were dismissed and mm-hmm. it was a very frustrating process. And it, I, um, it was kind of like a slap in the face because we had trusted the medical system and done everything they said. And then when we needed them, yep. they yep. turned their back. Yeah. Who was and, held um, responsible? It was, it was you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And not just held responsible, but demonized for yeah. it almost. Right. Yeah. Like right. it's your fault. Like you're, you're bad for having had these symptoms or these injuries or these, or how, you know, how dare you even suggest that it could be connected to this. Right. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. And, um, I, there's nothing that'll wake you up to, you know, the problems in our mm-hmm. current medical system more than that experience. Because mm-hmm. it, it was very eye-opening. And again, these were the pediatrician, especially. That was someone we had really had a good relationship with. And then the second we started asking questions and we went back and we said, look, this happened. And to his credit, his office did file a report to Merck. Okay. They did acknowledge it was a vaccine injury. And then they told my mom about VAERS. So they encouraged us to okay. file a report to the vaccine adverse event reporting system. So they did do that. But it's still, we never went back. And it was a very cold goodbye, you know, right. 
Yeah. Well, I, at least they did that, but like, right. That's just, I mean, it, it just, it's just crazy to me. So, so what do you think, what's your take on like, like why are doctors and the medical community at large so resistant and unwilling to even consider this con- this possibility? You know, I've, I've wondered that a lot. And, um, you know, I used to just think maybe, I think part of it is maybe they don't because they are the ones administering the vaccines. Maybe yeah. it's hard for them to acknowledge that they can cause harm. Cause I mean, imagine, yeah. you know, thinking you administered something that hurt someone when they thought it would help someone. So for a while I thought it was that I do think that's part of it, but you know, now I'm in college and um, I'm in basically a pre-med program and I'm kind of going through the education that one would go through to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's kind of frightening because it really is, you know, there's some great things I'm learning, but it is a brainwashing that you go through because they, they spend so much time talking about other issues. And when they talk about vaccines, you know, I, I'm normally in this one class, I'll use an example. We have two hour lectures. Mm-hmm. When we got to the vaccine topic, it was five minutes. Mm-hmm. It said vaccines save lives. The World Health Organization says that smallpox has been eradicated and mm-hmm. vaccines, you know, Andy Wakefield was debunked. They always mm-hmm. say that one. And mm-hmm. that was it. That was the extent of my education on vaccines. And obviously yes. I'm, I'm still going through the education. Maybe they'll go into it again more, but um, you're really just told they're safe and effective. This is the schedule. You should administer them. And mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. From what I've heard from other uh, medical professionals, that's pretty common. Like I've heard even like one day or, or less than one day of, of education for the entire medical, uh, education career on vaccines. And, and, and what you do get is not really education. It's propaganda, right? It's not, they're not going into the science. They're not going into why it works or how it would work or why would, would he even need it? Or why are the adjuvants in there? Why are the toxic, um, ingredients in there or, or what is going to mitigate those effects on somebody's body or what about certain genetic mutations that would make things worse for some person over another person like none of that right. is talked about in medical school when it comes right. to the vaccines so right and it's it's just really interesting because like my you know my fellow classmates and you know the doctors I met like they're they're really smart and they're brilliant and that's mm-hmm. why I'm just sitting here thinking like why aren't you asking questions? How, right. how are you accepting this at face value as a good explanation of vaccines, as a good education on them? Because we're not learning anything at all. They didn't have to substantiate anything, any of the claims they made. They just told us these right. things. No and sources no, cited. It, yeah. It's sad because if I had not gone through what I did with Gardasil, I probably would have been the same way. I probably would have just right thought that was okay. Cause it it's unfortunate, but it really takes going through an experience like this and waking up and taking a step back to see the flaws in the system. So yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely been eye-opening going through the education because you just realize they're not supplying any evidence about right. anything they're saying. It's just, they're safe and effective administer the vaccines. Yeah. And, and I think along with that, I think that they're emotionally manipulating doctors and all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
if you say the word vaccine to anybody in the world, there's an immediate emotional response. Yeah. Like either it's um, like, oh, they're, they're the greatest thing that, that we've ever invented and they're saved all these lives and they're amazing. And anyone who doesn't agree with that is stupid, evil, you mm-hmm. know, they're just some mommy blogger or reading. Yeah, exactly. I was blog, just going right? to say mommy blogger. That's, yeah. that's their famous line, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're science deniers or they're, or they're whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's emotional conditioning. And so yeah. now when, when even doctors who are, I think generally very smart people, and I also think generally have great intentions and really yeah. want mm-hmm. to do good and help people, but, but they are just as prone to conditioning or bias or, or manipulation as anyone else or just people. Mm-hmm. And so when they grow up in this environment and we're all kind of, I think now at this point, most people are fairly aware of vaccines and, and the anti-vaccine, you know, movement mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you know, the quote unquote anti-vaccine, but right. so I think everyone already has an emotional precondition toward yeah. Yes. And so now you get like, you go into medical school and that just furthers it because, or that's where it it grows or, or, or even starts for doctors because they're not taught any of the science. They're just taught emotion about it. They're safe Mm -hmm. and affected. And if you, you better do them or else people are going to die. And if, and if anyone questions them, they're dumb and you need to reeducate them or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or, or there's a lot of shame and kind of dismissiveness around it. They'll even, I think, at times talk pretty mockingly about it in medical schools, yes. like, like make fun of those mommy bloggers, right. Who, right. who question it and, right. and it's all just emotional conditioning. So right. that then when you get into the real world and you get into your practice and someone comes to you like you and says, I have all of these um, symptoms and could they be related to this shot that I just got? I mean, cause and effect. I mean, it makes sense. Why not as a scientist, you would say, Hmm, that's interesting. I should probably look at that scientifically, right. unemotionally, logically. There, there is a timeline here. Doesn't mean that you're saying, I believe that the vaccine did it, but you should at least as a scientist consider it. Right. You know, but no, that's a great point. I actually just posted about this on my Instagram because I was thinking about it and denying vaccine injury is just inherently anti-science. Right. Because you are rejecting someone's observation and you're not even investigating it. And you are just turning to the consensus belief that vaccines are safe and effective. So you're eliminating any debate or investigation or, you know, what happened to using the scientific method and going through all these steps to investigate something that doesn't happen with vaccines. It just gets shut down. And that, you know, anti-vaxxers are called anti-science but we're not. I mean, the mm-hmm. ones who are denying our stories—that's really where who's being anti-science, right? And well, you know, right. from personal experience, just going back to these medical professionals, I've, you know, I've dealt with many. And you know, within that first week, I had um, after my third shot of Gardasil, I had met like probably seventeen different specialists. It was it was an ongoing process meeting these people, and I met people who really did have good intentions, I think, and were trying to help me. But just when we suggested Gardasil, it was like you said, that emotional, nope, yeah. that, no, that can't happen. And yeah. 
it was, that was it. And I did also, on the other hand, I met some very egotistical medical practitioners who um, completely mocked us and were rude. And we left their practice, just ended up walking out of the building because it was that bad. Um, I actually had uh, one of the last experiences I had with mainstream medicine before we said, okay, we're done with this. We're Mm -hmm. looking for some other opportunities here. Um, one of the last people I met with was a pain specialist and he, we waited in his office for like two hours probably. And we were going to see him about the occipital neuralgia. He got in the room with us, sat there for maybe 10 minutes, told me that I needed a nerve block. So they were going to block the nerves at the base of my skull. They weren't going to look at any other solutions that he said, this is the only thing that could help you. And then, um, you know, we brought up Gardasol and he said, Oh no, unrelated. And he said, you know, this is actually a fairly normal experience for young girls. I'm having a lot of 13 year olds come in here needing nerve blocks. So I'd say this is pretty normal. It's nothing out of the blue. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, now we're researching. We know uh-huh. about the risk. I'm thinking these are Gardasil girls. Right. How many 13 of them have year this? Old, Yeah. 13 year olds yeah. should not have to come into your office needing nerve blocks. That's right. not normal. No. And so, you know, again, I've just seen there are some really well-intentioned medical practitioners out there, but there are some that are really struggling. Um, we're, yeah. we're lacking in some compassion for yeah. sure. Totally. It, mm-hmm. You definitely run the gamut. I, I think that, and there are all these variables for why, but, but at, at the bottom line is like, this is real, a real experience for a lot, a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and it needs to, like, it's not, it's not okay to dismiss it. Yes. I mean, it needs to be addressed and, and regardless of whatever your feelings are on it as, as a doctor, I mean, you take an oath to first do no harm and, and you've got to get out of your own way and, Mm -hmm. and let go of your pride and, and consider these things openly with an open mind instead of an emotional response, you know? Exactly. And, and just repeating over and over again that vaccines are safe and effective and that vaccine reactions are one in a million, that doesn't make it true. Right. And if you're not even going to allow people to talk about it or investigate it, that's not moving forward. That's not science. Right. At all. That's not productive. That's not, yeah, not science. Totally. Mm-hmm. So um, so after you went and you you went to the, the, the mainstream or the stream or the traditional route or what's become the traditional route mm-hmm. um, to all these doctors. And you found this stuff isn't working and which is something I have found the case with a lot. Like I, 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 I think doctors are mostly so well-intentioned and I appreciate their desire to help people, but mm-hmm. because of all of the miseducation or the, or the lack of education or the manipulation or whatever, I've found that that is the, um, reality for so not just vaccine injury not just but but just the response is always either one of two things right it's either here's some drugs to block a nerve your nerves or whatever or whatever the issue is or let's do a surgery and that's like the only response right like but why can't we look at root causes look at addressing the natural healing ability of the body look Mm -hmm. at the the way that the nature works and, and, and the way that, you know, God designed things. I just don't understand why we have to, why the only response is here's some drugs or here's some surgery, you know? Right. Exactly. I kind of digress there. So, so after you have, 
that experience, you said you, you, you went a different route. So what did, what did you do at that point? And, and where did you kind of find some, some help? Yeah. So, you know, we tried to work with mainstream medicine for, you know, a couple months after my Gardasil injury. And at this point I had been prescribed multiple medications. I was on anti-seizure meds. So they gave me Topamax. Um, yeah, how wanted- old are you at this point? I'm 13. God, that's crazy. 13. And- that must've been awful for you. Like just absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 13 is hard enough as it is, right? Like, right. and throw on top of that, all of this crazy stuff, like yeah. the pain and the, and then all of the dismissiveness and all of the all, like vitriol toward you and your, I just, yeah. I'm sorry for all of that. It's crazy. Thank you. It, it was definitely, I would never wish it on anyone yeah. and it breaks my heart. I mean, I get choked up, yeah. <laughs> but it breaks my heart thinking that anyone else has to go through that yeah. because it's really horrible. And so Yeah. I mean, at this point I was depressed and you know, the other thing I don't think I mentioned, I lost like 15 pounds after that third dose of Gardasil. I was severely underweight. My skin was yelling. My hair was falling out. I was, you know, at this point I am visibly sickly and um, I'm at rock bottom. I had to miss those last two weeks of my eighth grade year. I had made the varsity volleyball team um, as a freshman in high school. And, you know, I tried to keep up with it, but then I ended up having to quit. I had to quit club volleyball. I missed 50 days of school in my freshman year of high school. And um, yeah, it was, I, there's no other words except it was rock bottom. And I, you know, I wasn't socializing with friends and, you know, I was still trying to speak up because my, my biggest fear, honestly, I was like, okay, this has happened to me. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still wanted to try and reverse it. Right. And get healthy, but mm-hmm. I'm just thinking to myself, this happened to me. I need to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. So mm-hmm. I'm, I was on, you know, we were, my parents, thank goodness for them. They were emailing all of their friends that they know with daughters, all of our family members and just saying, mm-hmm. this is happening to Lauren. You need to know the risks that we were sending resources. I was telling my friends, mm-hmm. um, and how was that received? Uh, you know, it's really hard. I mean, I'm grateful because most vaccine injured people I speak with, they don't even have immediate family members that support them. Sometimes mm-hmm. their parents still are in denial about it. Sometimes, you know, their relatives don't believe it, even though they're witnessing it mm-hmm. happen. And so, you know, with me, obviously my parents and my siblings, they, we were like a rock solid unit. It really brought us together. And I'm very grateful for that. And my grandparents that um, live with us, they were witnessing it happen too. So they believed mm-hmm. me and um, we were all able to stick together through it. But okay. my distant, more distant relatives, um, my other set of grandparents did not believe us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was never really said, but the attitude that we get whenever, you know, with this COVID vaccine recently, they're all asking us, aren't you going to go get it? Aren't you going to go get it? And we're like, seriously, after everything Right. You are still asking us, you know, so it was, it was hard. And, you know, my, uh, volleyball coach, that was a really hard, um, situation for me because I was really close with her and, um, she visibly could see my health deteriorating. And I still think to this day, she doesn't believe me that I was struggling with some very real chronic illness issues. I think a lot of my teammates thought I was just choking and it's really Mm -hmm. hard um, to think about that because I never, I never wanted that obviously at all. And, um, you know, I did have friends who, you know, believed me and who, uh, 
stuck with me, but you know, I did have some friends I grew distant from, and I think it was really hard also, you know, even though my, some of my friends believe me, I wasn't hanging out anymore. I wasn't socializing. I wasn't, you know, maybe some days I would go to school, but if they wanted to make plans with me, I wasn't going. So just naturally I grew distant because I I couldn't health wise even function Mm -hmm. to even spend time together. So, um, yeah, it was just a really rough experience. And, you know, it was weird because even though, you know, we were kind of growing distant now. We we're kind of alienated. Um, we did have some poor exchanges. We ended up attracting more people that had gone mm-hmm. through similar things. So I had a girl that I, I barely knew at school. She had heard me talking about the experience. She came up to me later and said, you know, my brother was paralyzed the waist down after getting a DTAP vaccine. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm so sorry. And then I had a very distant relative, um, like my grandma's brother's son, you know, it was a very distant mm-hmm. relative who sent me a letter and was saying how he, his daughter was injured by Gardasil and his younger son um, developed autism after the mm-hmm. MMR vaccine. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we started having all these connections with people who were saying, you know, I, I went through something similar and it was very eye opening because we, I had never heard of this. And now all of a sudden, like all these people are coming and connecting yeah. with us. And then I, you know, I ended up having an interview with Vaxxed. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so their bus came to Michigan. I got to meet the Vaxxed crew and we did an interview and I, my mom shared it on Facebook and a bunch of people from my district from school saw it. And I didn't realize that had happened. And I, you know, I was going to school and I had kids coming up to me like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that you were wow. going through that. So it was weird because at the same time, there was people who were treating us poorly you know, those relationships were dying out. There was people coming forward and saying like, I believe you, Yeah, I can right. relate, you know, things like that. So it was, it was kind of a mix of both. I do think I'm very lucky with my situation because I've, I've heard the people I've met who've been vaccine injured, there are much worse situations where there mm. was just zero support. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think I was lucky. That's good. In that yeah. regard. So, yeah, so, but, so then you guys went and you, and you went a different route. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we kind of went on. Yeah. That was my fault. I asked it. No, it's okay. But um, yeah, so we actually weren't really familiar with this. Is another thing we were uneducated. We didn't even know like there was a holistic health field. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it was actually a friend of my mom's had seen my story and um, had heard what happened to me. And she reached out and said that she knew of a naturopathic doctor in Michigan Mm -hmm. who was working with girls who had been injured by Gardasil. Okay. And, um, that was like a, Oh my goodness moment for us. And so we immediately called his office and we tried to schedule an appointment and he is normally booked like six months to a year out. So when wow. we initially scheduled that appointment, they said, you know, it's probably going to be like six months. You're going to be put on a waiting list, but you know, I'll put you on the woman that was talking to us that she put us on like a priority list because she could tell like I had a very yeah. serious um, issue. And, and did so- he work, he worked mostly with those who were injured. Yeah, he, he and, and there's a waiting list. Doctor. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Long. That should tell you something. It's right? Very telling, right? Yeah. Um, and not just with Gardasil girls, but his office also works with um, uh, kids with autism as well. Mm. So that was really interesting to be in that office and kind of experience how it works. But um, yeah, so 
it was crazy because it, within a week of us scheduling like that far off appointment, they called us back and said, someone had canceled. You can come in the next day. And uh-huh. we were able to get in. And I swear I had been, I literally, I was not a very religious person, but I, at this point was praying. I was like, yeah. please someone help me yeah. because I need it. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm dying here. I, I don't know what else to do. And, um, I, I remember my mom told me I'm getting choked up again, but, um, okay. I just remember I was crying because it was the first time we felt like, okay, that we could be helped now. Like there's yeah. some hope here. Hope, yeah. And so, um, we went in, we met him. His name is, um, Dr. James Neuenschwander. Um, okay. he's pretty outspoken about vaccines. Um, just the name sounds him. kind of familiar, but I, yeah, I yeah. He's, he's attended, I think, like a few of like the ACIP meetings and he's pretty vocal okay. about, you know, vaccine risks and everything. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, when I met him, he literally sat down with me and my mom for like three hours and we talked about vaccines and food and my health issues really getting to like the root cause here. Mm-hmm. He explained to us about the aluminum adjuvant and how mm-hmm. heavy metals work in the body. And we talked about polysorbate 80 and how that could affect the blood brain barrier. Polysorbate mm-hmm. 80 is an ingredient in Gardasil. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a whole new world for us. It was a completely yeah. different response. He was compassionate and um, the yeah. staff there was amazing. And so in his office, it was really cool because he had an acupuncturist, um, other health practitioners. He had a homeopathy specialist. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was about an hour from my house, but I would drive there like multiple times per week with my mom and we would just go, I would meet with the acupuncturist and we would talk about, you know, the food I was eating. So it was a very holistic, um, healing. And I started on a heavy metal detox protocol. So we started doing all these, um, holistic modalities and, you know, I started to get better. So it was quite a different, different, uh, very different experience than what I I had gone through. Yeah. I can imagine that after having, the experience that you did with, you know, you know, uh, allopathic medical doctors, then going and having this guy completely validate everything that you were going through and, and, and offer solutions. I I must've been just like, you know, huge burden lifted off. Yeah. Even just to have someone listen and understand and show compassion. Mm -hmm. It was just so different. And to say like, you're, you're not all alone in this. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, other girls, your age are going through this too. And obviously it broke my heart to hear other people were going through it, but just to know you're not the only person, I mean, yeah. it was just a complete game changer. So yeah, basically for the next couple of years, I was changing my diet. So, you know, that was a huge part of my healing journey was mm-hmm. cleaning up my diet. Cause again, my family was very uneducated about health. We were, you know, we cared about our health and we were athletic and like a moving family, but we were eating the standard American diet. Mm-hmm. So just didn't know. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. We just didn't know there was another way or a better yeah. way. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had been diagnosed with gluten sensitivity, not celiac. So I had already okay. eliminated gluten and that in itself was really helpful for me. Um, it wasn't like the end all solution, but it mm-hmm. was really helpful because I started being able to maybe eat a little more food and I wasn't intentionally not eating anymore. Cause that was, that it was right. hard when you're having all these painful symptoms, you don't want to eat. Anymore. Right. Yeah. You're afraid. What can I eat? And, and right. what won't make me feel awful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so then I ended up also eliminating dairy eggs, um, 
kind of just like processed food in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, eventually a couple of years into my journey, I ended up going plant-based because okay. my digestion, I was really struggling to digest meat. And this is another thing I've kind of noticed. Some girls, girls do really well with me. Others can't digest it. Mm. Like I, I could not digest me. It was making me so sick. So I, mm-hmm. I've been plant-based for a while now and just bringing in the fruits and the vegetables and eating whole foods that in itself was just a huge, huge factor. And I, I can't say enough about it. The, the diet mm-hmm. was really everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, over time I started seeing improvements and, um, yeah. And I still eat that way. I still have to be very vigilant because mm-hmm. if I, you know, eat a food that I had previously reacted to, it's triggering, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. I enjoy the way I eat now because I don't feel sick. So it's worth it. Yeah. to me, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, diet is, is something that is man, what it's probably the biggest factor for our health mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe the most misunderstood seems yeah. like in, at least in America, yeah. um, where like, even cause when I, so on my own kind of health journey, that was one of the bigger first lessons I learned was like, you've got to change your diet. Like you just have to, yeah. You can't, like you start to learn about what, what the standard American diet is and what it is not. And, and, and even back before then, like when I, before I learned about diet, it was like, what, what I thought was healthy, a healthy diet was like, just still processed nonsense. Right. It was, yeah, still yeah. Like, it was just like, Oh, but I got, I got a salad at like some fast food restaurant or, or, or I got, but it's, but it's chicken, you know, chicken's a good, healthy meat, but it was grown and it was raised in, in, in a cage with a bunch of antibiotics and, and, right. you know, fed like a, a poor diet and that's doused in glyphosate and all that. Right. So it's like, I was still getting in, until you learn what all of what everything is that's happening in the world surrounding our food and you realize how far you have to go out of the mainstream. Like you can't just go to the restaurant. You can't just go to, I mean, you, you can go to the store. Now you start to learn what you can. And there's so thankfully so much more available now, like organically grown and um, Mm -hmm. even, and and gratefully like more local stuff. I don't know where it's like where you are, but there's more here than Mm -hmm. than there used to be, but still like, you can't just go like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go grab something at, Wendy's or whatever, like it, right. it, it's, there's too much toxicity mm-hmm. within the food production system. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. That, that impacts us in so many devastating ways that we, we just can't, we can't be healthy while living and eating the standard American diet. It's just not really possible. I don't think. Right. 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 And that is so true. And I'm just, you know, thinking of my family, that whole thing of you know, we thought we were eating healthy. You mentioned that we mm-hmm. went through the same thing because we were eating the standard American diet, but like my mom's like, Oh, you know, I'm occasionally cooking home cooked meals. That's good. Right. You know, I, my school lunches were all processed like lunchables and stuff, but I was thinking, Oh, I'm getting these food groups. It's fine. Right. The food you know, so it was a huge mm-hmm. learning curve for us to take a step back and be like, what are we actually putting in our bodies? And, you know, that's another thing I'm incredibly grateful for my family because I can't imagine if I had to do that lifestyle shift by myself Yeah. because my parents especially took so much initiative. Cause I mean, at this time I'm so chronically fatigued. I, yeah. I don't have the energy to even make my food or 
do any of that. So my mom and my dad really like stepped up and were, you know, changing my diet for me and helping me to find things to eat. And they themselves ended up eliminating some of these foods like gluten and dairy. And it was crazy to watch my family's overall health shift because Mm -hmm. my dad got off some painkillers for his back. He lost 40 pounds. You know, my mom lost a ton of weight. My dad's allergies and asthma completely went away. My brother's allergies got better. Um, my sister was healthy. So, I mean, I, Mm. I don't know about her, but our whole family just kind of was elevating health and it was just really, really cool to watch, honestly, because I was like, okay, well, you know, I was injured by Garcel, but this is a positive out of it because we're right. you know learning and we're growing and we're we're getting yeah. healthier. I mean, my dad getting off those medications was huge. Yeah. So um, it was definitely a huge learning experience, and I'm very grateful for my family because they did it all with me. Um, yeah. But yeah, that food aspect was crucial. That's huge. Well, that's awesome. It really does help to have support. Like yeah, my my dad was always into natural health, and that's so when I changed my diet, he was already kind of along that path and. And I mean, I had to do it so that like, I basically had to plan out and just like basically eat the same thing every day, but it's only because the stress of like, if I don't, if I have to figure out what am I going to eat, like it's too much stress. So I just won't do it. So, so I had to just like find something that I could eat pretty much the same every day that's healthy. And then I could go forward because changing the diet, I know how hard that can be for people, Right. not having the support or not having the the plan in place and then being able to execute it is I think a barrier for people to just like, I'm not going to, and we're such emotional eaters, right? Because it's such a, uh, we get such an emotional response from all the, like, um, all of the, uh, uh, neurotoxicity, neurotoxins in in the processed food that we eat Mm -hmm. that like, you feel bad, we'll just run and grab a pizza or run and grab some ice cream or whatever that like, we've, we've really, it's it's so much harder to now, like then you, then food, when food becomes a stressor, then it's like, I'm not going to, that's how people fall off the wagon so much, you know, or like, I'm not going to do this. So that's, that's cool that they were supportive of you. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly sad because, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with so many young girls and boys too, who, you know, they suffer a vaccine injury, or maybe they just have Mm -hmm. some chronic illness and they're trying to eat healthier and do better. But if their family, you know, they live with their parents still because they're young, their yeah. parents aren't going to buy the groceries they want, or if their family's mm-hmm. not going to be on board and eat some of these things with them, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons I made my account on Instagram. So I was thinking, okay, I can be a support for people mm-hmm. and try and just, you know, I can't do much, you know, across the world over social media, but at least they can know, like, I understand what they're going through and yeah. I can kind of just try and be motivational through it because that support is crucial. And just totally. knowing you're not alone, you have a system that's raising you up through all these things you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was severely struggling with depression. I mean, it's something I didn't really talk about much, but my family could tell, you know, I was very depressed. And I, if they had not been there for me, it could have ended very badly for me, for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah. very grateful for them. Yeah, I think that's one of the main kind of goals of of this podcast is uh, is connection because I think that we mm-hmm. need community, we need each other so much, and that's one of the devastating effects of this whole the quarantine, you know, yeah, COVID yeah. stuff is that like it's di- not only like you pe- like quarantining people and saying you can't be around each other, but then 
the social distancing, but and, and all that, but like kind of the the emotional um, conditioning to to divide people. So now you have right, like uh, you have people who are like, oh, you have to be wearing a mask everywhere you go, and then you have right. those of us who are like, okay, let's look at the science and let's look at uh, what's going on behind the scenes and who's profiting and all this. And it creates an automatic divisiveness, the mask especially, because it's it's right. it's it's a symbol. I mean, it's right on somebody's face. You can see immediately if okay, right. those that person is my enemy if, if they're not wearing one or they're if right. they are like right. that. And so um that this whole thing has created more and more divisiveness. And and I think that it's I mean, you talked about you know depression, and obviously that has skyrocketed over this last year and a half or whatever now. So it's like um, because of we, we're, we're social creatures and we need connection and, and we're, that's being, you know, just taken away or cultivated, like a right. conditioned away or manipulated away. Right. From us. Exactly. Especially when, you know, our society is just gravitating to this polar opposite viewpoints. There's no meeting mm-hmm. in the middle anymore. And, you right. know, I first started seeing that with the vaccines, it was either you're pro or against, right? No middle ground. And then, yeah. you know, politics, left and right, no middle ground. And, yeah. it, you know, it's with everything, mask, pro or anti-mask. Like, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, some of the issues I could see maybe being pro opposites, but like, it shouldn't be like that. We should be allowed to, or be able to have some conversation to maybe yeah. meet in the middle sometimes, or, you know, at least talk about these things without having that automatic, I'm against you response. Right. And, totally. you know, you lose all that connection we were talking about. It's yeah. really horrible. Absolutely. Oh, it's so hard. So, you know, with all that said, we can talk a little bit about the the vaccine that's coming out now and what are your thoughts on it and some of the research that you've done and, and some of the I, concerns that you have. I mean, um, I, I honestly, this is something I've been researching, but I feel like there's just so many unknowns. It's mm-hmm. kind of even hard to speak to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel though, if you've had a previous vaccine reaction, you should absolutely not get it. I've had people on my page ask me if I vaccinate anymore. And the answer is a hard no. My family does not vaccinate anymore. And we respect other people's decision to vaccinate or not. But, you know, we've done our research and we're not comfortable with the risks anymore. We didn't realize that they were there, but they are. And they're often understated. The benefits are overstated. Mm -hmm. So we don't vaccinate my, I'm not going to, none of my family is going to be getting the COVID vaccine. And, um, you know, other vaccines aside, I just feel like this one is too experimental, too rushed. I mean, Gardasil was fast tracked. Was it? Yeah. And, um, look how that turned out. Right. And, you know, just looking off the adverse events that we're seeing come in regarding the COVID vaccine, I don't think it's worth it at all. And, Right, no, especially well, when you look at the data for the the, the in, infection fatality rate and all of the, like I just don't really understand the rationale for yeah, it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I mean the Pfizer and Moderna have been pretty open about saying you know the vaccine does not prevent transmission. Right. Yeah. It you know it probably doesn't stop you from getting it. At best, it might reduce your symptoms. Right. And. Um, that's a huge might, right? They, they don't really even, they can't really yeah. even say that. Yeah. So they skipped um, animal trials, went right to human right. trials and right. like I, oh. and, and, and looking at the past coronavirus virus attempted vaccines, like in those animal trials, 
like you find uh what's it called uh the priming right so so the pathogenic priming pathogenic primings right so so like once they uh introduced they gave them the the vaccine to the or so it's the mrna vaccine i guess right is that that's the ones that they've that they had the issues with that they once they then um exposed the the animals to the virus it made it way way worse because it, it was it it taught their immune systems that this virus was no big deal <laughs> was a friend right? right we don't need to worry we don't need to create antibodies we don't need to because the the mrna had been conditioning their cells to to view it as you know not a big deal and so then there was and so like you have you have this kind of uh stuff coming as a precursor to that's what this you know vaccine is and i i use quotation marks because it's not really a vaccine right it's like a um it's not designed the same way that another vac the other vaccines are um it's it's a mrna vaccine like you said highly experimental and we don't know what's going to happen with it and we rushed right. or, or uh, skipped animal studies and we rushed it like i just don't like I, it's right. I'm and, not interested in it at all. And for me, but. Right. And I mean, from my experience, just comparing the the narratives and just the actual yeah. facts between HPV and COVID, there's a lot of similarities with mm. the way that they're pushing COVID. And um, I don't like seeing it, honestly, because, you know, HPV was a virus. It was very hard for them to sell a vaccine just about HPV because it's something that's very common most people mm -hmm. who get it do just fine with it. Um, you know, if you have some of these, you know, other things going on in your health, then it becomes more of an issue. Like if you're overweight, if you're a smoker, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. And when you look at COVID, same thing. It's yep. now we know the survival rate is extremely high, you know, yep. greater than 99% for mm -hmm. people younger than 70. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we know what the risk thing. factors are, right? Right. Exactly. We know what the risk factors are. And now they're trying to push a vaccine that we don't know the full extent of risk, but okay. it's really not necessary. And, yeah. you know, they've really done a great job fear mongering and um, pressuring people, which is exactly what they did with the HPV vaccine. Yeah. And, so they connected. Um, so HPV. So how did they then sell it if it was cervical cancer? Because right. So that's what I was going to say. So it's like, do you right. connect it to something else? And is that a greater risk? I mean, no, does it so present the a thing, The thing with um, HPV, so you have 80% of Americans will get HPV at some point of their life. It's something that 90% of those people will overcome naturally. Out of the other 10%, less than like 0.05% will have HPV that leads. Sorry, my dog's scratching at the door. Sorry, okay. Stuart. <laughs> um, but yeah, less than 0.05% of that remaining 10% will have HPV that leads to cervical cancer. And at best, you know, they think less than 30% of cervical cancers have that HPV genetic material in it. So mm -hmm. the way they related HPV to cervical cancer is still very sketchy because, you know, they're saying, oh, HPV absolutely causes cervical cancer when really recent research is showing it might be associated. Right. You know, it's, it's different. Correlation so, does not equal causation or whatever. Right. And so anyways, you know, with HPV, it's clear this is not a huge issue. So what they did mm -hmm. is they start saying, okay, HPV strains 16 and 18, those cause cancer. And 
cervical cancer is bad and we need to fight that. But then when you look at the cervical cancer stats to the age group that they are marketing this vaccine to, it does not make any sense really? you know, to get this vaccine. If you're talking about cervical cancer, because you know, a healthy, um, 13 year old child has a basically 0% chance of getting cervical cancer, much less dying from it. And so, you know, cervical cancer takes years to develop. It is a serious condition, but it takes years to develop. If you are getting frequent pap smears, you know, you can catch it early on and the five-year survival rate of people who catch it early on is like 90%. Mm. And, you know, it's the median age of diagnosis for cervical cancer is 50 years old. Mm. this vaccine might protect you from HPV strains for maybe five years. So why you would give it to an 11 year old child, right? No sense. Right. And so then, you know, the death rate of cervical cancer is like 2.3 per hundred thousand people in America. And, you know, Mm. there's clear research showing that in like a country like America, where we have good, you know, health services, frequent pap smears, people catching early on, you your chances of surviving cervical cancer are great because if you catch it early on, they can, you know, remove the cancer cells. They can do these things to help you prevent it. And, you know, it's really a, um, I don't want to say a non-issue because it is serious for those who get it. But, you know, if you're doing, if you're taking care of your body and you're getting the pap smears, like you are really, it's a very low risk for you. And, you know, in other countries where they don't have the health services and the good nutrition and the Mm -hmm. things that we do here, you see much worse stats on cervical cancer. And so do they I mean, use those international stats to, to push it? Um, I mean, they, if, I mean, if you look at Merck's website or if you look at some of their like HPV vaccine Garcil websites, they don't even really refer to stats. They just, they just are telling you words, mm. get, get this to protect you from cancer. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, they use a stat. I was just at a um, vaccine symposium with Robert Kennedy Jr. And some mm-hmm. of the more outspoken people and, my dad actually actually asked this question because Merck consistently uses the saying that, you know, HPV strain 16 and 18 are account for over 70% of cervical cancers. So if you get the vaccine, which has strain 16, 18 in it, you're protected from cervical cancer. So they, they make that statement, but then research is showing like there's newer studies coming out. Like I mentioned earlier, saying that less than 30% of cervical cancers have this HPV genetic material in it. So how can they make that claim that you're going to be protected from cancer when, you know, the research isn't really there to even really fully support that. Right. They just saw that like, Oh, this strain is, is, is present in those who, who have cancer. Right. Right. Cancer. Therefore they're just, you know, connecting the dots without any actual scientific evidence to back it up. Right. Right. And I mean, there, there is, I mean, there is some evidence showing the virus could contribute to the cancer, but again, that's with those other factors. Like, are they smoking? Are they obese? Are they having other preexisting conditions? Right. So, you know, any parent, you know, given the, and then, I mean, if you want to talk about the adverse reaction rate in the clinical trials of Gardner, so that's a whole other thing, but if Mm -hmm. any parent given the true information regarding HPV and cervical cancer, and then the information regarding the actual risk of Gardasil, it's clear that the risks far outweigh any potential benefits. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm seeing with the COVID vaccine. Just right. so getting back to that, it's just the same thing. Yeah. You know, they are manufacturing a crisis as right. I like to call it. They're making an issue out of air. They, they right. don't. 
it's something you don't need a vaccine for. If you support your body and your immune system and you do a good job taking care of yourself, you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's not, we have medical treatments and therapies to help. Yeah. So I was just watching a presentation by Dr. Simone Gold a couple of days ago. I haven't finished it yet, but she was talking about, um, or no, actually this one was from a different doctor, Dr. Lee something. Now that's, um, I'll have to look and find it, uh, put it in the show notes, but like, and she was talking about all of the different medications that we already have that treat it and treat it successfully and effectively. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and the story about, or, or the, you know, the um, kind of the, what happened um, in in the painting of of hydroxychloroquine as this evil, bad, dangerous drug, and and how that was uh, manipulated by the media and by those. Like the, there are treatments available, even if you do get it, and we know the risk factors. And we know that under age 70, it's basically a non-issue. Right. And, and for those that it is an issue for, we, again, we know the, the risk factors. Are you taking care of your health? And that for me is the, the like, that, this has been why, the reason that this last year for me has been so difficult is because I am a naturally compassionate person and I want to, I, I get, I don't want to come across as cold I don't want to be cold, right? I don't want to be dismissive of people's um, fear of, or certainly of their experiences. There are people who have, who've mm-hmm. died from it, of course, many, but, um, but at the same time, I have to be able to not let my emotions rule me. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to do that as a society, especially like, and we have to look at the whole picture and all of the data and what's really going on. What are the risk factors? What are the ages? And the, the bottom line to me, it comes down to what you just said. It's personal responsibility. Right. And we, we can, we have got to stop outsourcing our own health to other people, mm-hmm. even a doctor, you know, it doesn't matter if they're an expert. It doesn't matter if they went to seven years of medical school. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Nobody can make you healthy. Only you, your choices only you following the laws of health, eating the right foods, um, living a healthy diet or a, a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, you know, avoiding environmental toxins as much as you can, and then responding when you do have an issue with a healthy, uh, with a way to support your immune system, whether that be supplementation with, with a healthy bioavailable vitamins and minerals and things like that. Um, that's really the only answer to, to, in my opinion, um, to any kind of virus or bacteria or any kind of sickness in general is personal responsibility for our health. And right. And I, and I feel like we don't give our bodies enough credit. Right. You know, I took an anatomy class last semester and it's fascinating learning about all these systems we have in our own bodies to defend mm-hmm. us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, we give vaccines too much credit. Yes. I mean, when you, when you really look at the science, their vaccine immunity compared to natural immunity, it's not long lasting. Yep. You know, you're taking on all the additional risks of the vaccine. You're injecting ingredients that have proven toxic effects on the body. Yep. Um, and we're letting vaccines take credit for things that good nutrition, water sanitation, you know, mm-hmm. really important things for taking care of your body, you know, 
vaccines historically, that's what really what I'm referring to have taken credit for a lot of those mm-hmm. bigger things, right? So, you know, our society now is turning to drugs and vaccines to be the save all at the same time they're consuming this food and mm-hmm. being absorbed in technology and doing these practices that damage their health. And it's, I, I'm so badly just trying to tell people like, that's not the solution. Right. There's a different way. You don't need to rely on these pharmaceuticals for health. There's a whole other world out there. If you just step back and yeah. look at the big picture. Totally. So, I mean, it, it's like, you, you just, you, you just hit the nail on the head. It's just like, it, you, that's it. I could believe maybe um, that people, particularly in governments, cared about public health. If instead of pushing vaccines, if they or if if, if they at least pushed as much or more proper diet, and healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle, and, and and I mean, like I had a conversation with with a, a lady a couple of weeks ago about um, the lockdowns and stuff that were happening here locally. And, and she said, like, you have all these people, these, these medical professionals or, or um, authorities talking about vaccines and whatever. And, and yet you've got McDonald's, like they shut down everything, right? Shut down all these businesses, all of small businesses and whatever. And they said, socially distance and stay inside and don't get out in the sun where you get vitamin D and all that. Uh, but then they left McDonald's open and, 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 you know, Burger King and all these fast food right. places. Right. And, and, and their, their recommendations for like, for health. I mean, you, t- you mentioned a little bit about the, the food groups, right? So like this food pyramid, is just basically nonsense. Like mm-hmm. that shows the lack of understanding at that level mm-hmm. of what really leads to health in human beings. So why are we taking advice from people who don't really understand what creates health mm-hmm. about our own health right. on a large scale, who clearly don't really care because they're they're not promoting, you know, good diet and, and good lifestyle right, like and their, healthy behaviors right exactly yeah and personal responsibility they're just saying don't worry we'll take care of you wait for us wait for our vaccine and then you'll be safe and then take it and then it'll be safe right. oh right. and by the way don't don't worry about that it's making us billions and billions of dollars that doesn't matter right like right right and i mean that's probably one of the more frustrating things for me right now is this you know this whole time we've been told to trust the experts trust the science mm-hmm. don't ask questions i mean Forbes, I posted this, um, they wrote an article, I my jaw dropped because they literally were saying, you are not qualified to do your own research, just right. trust the experts. And I remember reading that like, wow, I could not think of anything more telling of the government and media's position right now. And I know people mm-hmm. think it's like conspiracy theory, like to talk about the government in this way. But I mean, really, just look at what's happened. It's right. At it's a certain ridiculous. point, right, right? At a certain point, you have to, you you can't just keep ignoring different things, right? Right. Like, right. We, we have to like nobody wants to be a conspiracy nut, like, but it's like I don't care anymore if it's a conspiracy. I care if it's true, right? So like, it like conspiracy is a real thing, you know? It happens. Right. It's happened all throughout history, 
and it it will continue to happen, especially if it goes unchecked, especially if people are afraid to question it and consider it and say, well, you might not have our best interests at heart here, and you're saying things that are untrue, or you know, you're changing your opinion, or or media is in total lockstep with with government. Like it just is. Mm-hmm. There's too many weird red flags to to completely ignore it. And I, gratefully, a lot of people are opening up their minds a little bit and saying, "You're right. This doesn't make p- complete sense." But still, right. far a, a lot of people are are still right. unwilling to consider. Right. And I mean, and that's something I was really hoping that would come out of this year because I was looking at this like, okay, the whole world is watching this vaccine mm-hmm. production process. And, you know, they're clearly doing things um, to manipulate results, to conceal yeah. risk. I mean, uh, this is another thing I just posted about. They announced that the placebo group in the COVID vaccine trials was now allowed to get the COVID vaccine. That's exactly what they did with Gardasil, right. where they're eliminating the placebo group. So now you don't even have a comparison between those that got the vaccine and those that didn't, then you're not going to have any long-term safety data. So So, for me, I'm thinking, okay, I hope people are watching this. I hope they're paying attention and I hope they're seeing like, there is reason to ask questions. There's mm -hmm. reasons to seriously consider vaccine risks. It's not just some conspiracy. And I mean, I've been happy. I think I, a lot of people did start asking questions, but you know, still I'm, I was honestly kind of disappointed at the amount of people, um, you know, in my social media bubble that I'm in, I, I know a lot of people obviously that are awake to this stuff because mm-hmm. naturally you just connect more with those the like-minded people. But in my personal life, people I personally know who mm-hmm. are talking about the vaccine, they still are not seeing it that way, yep. which is really frustrating. Same, same here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it is very frustrating and, and discouraging. And, and like, I don't, I'm fine if other people want to make the decision. That's, I would rather they didn't. You know, I would, I, I mean, I, I want them all to make the decision themselves, but I, right. I would, I'm fine if they choose to, to take this vaccine or if they choose to wear masks or if they choose to social distance and all that, that's, it's your choice. You should always have the choice, but that's mm-hmm. the point. We should all always have the choice. Right. Exactly. And, and you see the push toward limiting or removing that choice. And that is what's scary. Right. And you know, exactly. And that's why another reason I started speaking up is because I saw this attack on medical freedom, especially with Mm -hmm. um, the push to mandate the HPV vaccine and other vaccines in states. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my family was like, we cannot let this happen. Like people are just sitting back and letting our medical freedoms be taken away. And once that's gone, that's not something the government's just going to give back. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a huge issue. And I honestly, the scariest thing is seeing people, everyday people advocate for it, you know, thinking, okay, it's okay. We should mandate this vaccine for the greater good. You should get it to protect the community. You Mm -hmm. should be forced to do these things for other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting here like what happened to like personal choice and uh, bodily autonomy. Or like, have you ever watched a dystopian movie ever? Like this is exactly how, I mean, that's, you know, a, a little bit of a joke, but like, but but not really but but yeah but seriously like that's how it happens um like um tyranny starts or or is instituted most easily under the guise of emergency right Right. like and that's how hitler did it and that's how it's so easy to do you just 
you create you you condition an entire populace to believe that there's a major emergency and you have to do this for this the common good right the greater good mm-hmm. but once it's all over then it'll all be you'll get your freedom back and right. that's never once ever happened like you you'd never get your freedom back and, it, you, right. and so it's like it's just it's frightening to see so many like you said so many people that you might that I know that are that are advocating for it that are pushing it that are saying yes we need to to have it and 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 it just oh man it's that's and that's one reason why I wanted to have people like you on here and talk about it because we really need to talk about it and we need to be yeah. able to to protect that choice and to see the whole picture and to see that it's not just cut and dry it's not there is absolutely bias there is absolutely monetary incentive or power incentive for people to um lie or manipulate or um it, there's just a lot there and we need to be able to be aware of it and i think there's enough there to for us to put our foot down and say fine if you want the vaccine and you want to make it available to everyone i would recommend nobody take it but it's your choice but there must always be a choice right exactly and that hit the nail on the head at the end of the day that's what it's all about and yeah. you know i i always make it clear to people my stance on vaccines i will never vaccinate again but that doesn't mean i i want to have the right to take away your choice to vaccinate right. or that i'm going to force my beliefs on anyone that's not it i well, really just advocate for informed consent I want yeah. you to be able to choose if you want to vaccinate or not, or maybe you want some vaccines and not others. Yeah. And you should always have that choice and you can make your decision fully researched and fully informed of the benefits and the risks. Yeah. And you can have that choice. And, yeah. you know, the second we let the government take that choice away, um, you've lost everything. I mean, if you don't have the right to choose what gets injected into your body, yeah. that to me is insane. What? What's the point at that point? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there is no more freedom anymore. Um, yeah, oh man, we could just talk for hours about all this stuff, but uh, really I don't want to take up your, your whole night. But um, uh, so just kind of in in closing, what are a couple of thoughts you might have or, or and, and in particular, where can people go or what can people do to learn more, to 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 educate themselves in, in a... I think one of the things that people they feel overwhelmed by the idea like, you know, medical terminology is overwhelming to people. They're like, I don't understand right. what any of this means. And they're there. I'm just going to let my doctor do it. Cause he's the expert. And he spent all this time or she spent all this time learning about it. Like they're the expert, leave it to them, but we can't, we can't do that anymore. It's not, it's not going to work. So where can people go and how can they learn more about it in a way that maybe is a little bit more palatable or digestible for them that they can understand what, what the risks really are and what the whole picture is. Right. So, I mean, first I've got to plug my own website. I just, I've been working really hard on a website and um, all those things you were saying, I made my website specifically for parents and for individuals who want to be able to research vaccines in a not confusing way. I mean, that was one of the hugest obstacles for my family is, you know, jumping into this, not knowing anything about it. Where do you go? Because I mean, you'll find Google and some of these search engines, they, they don't show you what, what you want to see. It just refers to what they want you to see. And it's hard mm-hmm. to get unbiased, true sources. And um, so, yeah, I made my website with the hopes that it would be, you know, I put all the resources that I would recommend people go to. So my website's hpvvaccinesurvivor.com. Awesome. And so, you know, I have a page 
where I have like a start here page. Like if you're just starting researching vaccines, that would be the sources you need to go to. And I'll just mention um, some of the biggest places I recommend to go to is the Highwire TV. Mm-hmm. They Dell Bigtree runs that show and he does a great job breaking down the science. It, it's not emotion-based arguments. It's truly just factual science. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brings on fellow, you know, medical professionals and people who, you know, the experts that mm-hmm. we're not allowed to hear from. Right. Um, so he brings them all on his show. It's a great, great resource. And they really break it down for common people who might not think they know medical terms, right. It's perfect resource. And also totally. children's health defense. They, another one, they just mm-hmm. write articles, breaking down the science. Um, and they do a great job with that. So also on my website, I have a page dedicated to the HPV vaccine. So any science research, personal testimonials people would need are there. I have recommended books and documentaries. Um, so it's a lot to look at. Oh, and I also have a page regarding vaccine ingredients. So it's definitely a lot to look at, but it's, it's there and you can just kind of take your time to work through it. And I tried to break it down in a way. Cause I mean, sometimes, you know, organizations like children's health defense, they've been talking about vaccine risks and other things for a while, they can get very technical um, and specific. So if you're looking for a place to just kind of step back, get to like back to the basics, that's kind of what I try to do with my website just to, to break it down. Awesome. um, So what was the website again? HPVvaccinesurvivor.com. Okay. Awesome. I will um, put that in the show notes, big, bold letters, make sure everybody knows to go (laughs) and check that out because I think that is just fantastic. And I'm going to go check it out as well. Um, Thank you. It, it just so important, so necessary that we all become our own health experts for, right. of our of our own bodies, right? And our right. Own- and it's it's really about empowering yourself mm-hmm. with the information you need to make informed decisions, yeah, and to um, be able to critically think about some of these things, some of the information we are being presented with. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and talking and sharing your story and your knowledge and and having this great discussion. Um, Just it was so fun for me and hopefully um, educational and entertaining for those who who will watch or listen. Um, But I just I appreciate you being brave and and willing to share and 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 talk about this stuff because it's just so so important like it's one of the to me one of the most important things that we could do right now Mm -hmm. it's definitely you know this issue on vaccines is definitely taking a front seat it's definitely one of the more pressing issues right now and you know thank you again for giving me the opportunity to come on here and talk about it because you know we don't get the opportunity vaccine people aren't ever given a platform to seriously talk about their you know their experiences so i really do appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on here and talk about it. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely.